Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. Welcome, everyone. We are at Comic-Con, Your Creativity. Um, we are here with Crush Bodily. He was one of the first, um, the blogs that we did back when we started back at a blog, as a blog back in January. Um, Chris, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. We just, um, you just finished at your uh, panel. It was uh, frequently asked questions of artists and illustrators. Was were there any questions that you were expecting that that didn't get asked? Um, I well, you know, like I think one of the reasons that I wanted to do the panel in the first place is that I know that when I was when I was a younger artist wanting to get into the business and do it professionally there were so many things I didn't know and so you know like uh, I think I think more than anything uh, you know I wasn't expecting anything but I I knew that there were people that had questions uh, that you know so really it was all about just like finding out what what people felt that they didn't know so yeah, I actually lear- learned quite a bit because, you know, I'm I'm seven years into graphic design and I've mostly been freelance on my own like like you have been. So it's a lot of, you know, learning learning on my own. And I thought it was really interesting that way. Um, I, I didn't want to steal any of the time in the panel, but one of the questions I had is, you know, I'm, I, I draw quite a bit and, um, you know, picking what type of pieces that might be good that people might actually want and you know where to get things printed you know yeah well you know like as far as that goes like um for a long time i y- you think you can predict what what people are going to like or or sometimes you try and cater what you're drawing to other people but really when it boils down to it there's there's no way of knowing what other people what will resonate with other people so actually the best the me- best mode of creating work is creating the type of work that you're excited about and that you're passionate about. And if, if it's not, uh, you know, widely accepted, right, there'll still be a handful of people, uh, with whom it resonates. Right. And so, um, you know, the, the minute that you get into that, that process of trying to predict the outcomes and, you know, cater to other people, you're missing the point. And like art has to come from the inside. It has to come from, you know, like, uh, you know, art as a unique voice. And that's what people are looking for is, is that unique voice? Because if it was something that they could have thought of or that they could have created, then they would do the, do it themselves. And then the, the prints, you know, you, you get your prints done through is a hive gallery. No, uh, actually, I I go through a local printer. Uh, you know, like really anyone that that uh, any print shop. I, I find that local printers are a little bit easier to work with, just because uh, you can get more attention and like if there's problems, they'll they're they're usually more willing to help you troubleshoot through the the printing problems and things like that. And so um, you know, like it's there's. 
I've, I've gone through a, a few different places, um, but typically, you know, I've had the best results from just like small press, local, you know, I live up in Ogden, so I use local Ogden uh, printers. But like, um, you know, I think if you if you take something someplace, do a sample and see, see if uh, the type of work that they do reflects the look of and feel that you want your your prints to have. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add, like some unique experience you hear, had here the past few days or anything like that? Uh, yeah, it's it's been a fun con. Um, you know, like this, it, traditionally I've, I've come and, and done a booth through the Hive Gallery. Uh, they they represented my work for a long time. But uh, this this time around, I did the booth with my wife. And it's, it's, it's a rewarding experience because, you know, like, uh, she's, she's my partner. She's my, you know, she, and, and to be able to work with her, uh, is, has been a really rewarding experience. So, and she's an artist herself, right? Yes, she is. And, um, and actually as, as we're moving forward, we want to do more of, uh, do some shows with, with just her work because, uh, to kind of, uh, give some diversity and you know like when when you're pursuing your dreams you, you know it can be a lonely island so you want to you know i i want to make sure that i'm encouraging her dreams as well as my own all right we are back at comic-con i am here with paul draper he is the guy that helped us start this whole your creativity thing he was our first blog guest and now we have him live and in person how are you today paul i'm i'm live and in person i'm so happy the uh, far better than the alternative then dead and and somewhere else else. (laughs) (laughs) so you've kind of been the the king this time around you've got some of the the bigger panels um um, Millie, who is 11 on uh stranger things and then uh dranny trejo and then your own show um, in, the grand in the Grand Ballroom, the big, big room. You know, they split it up. They've had it split up in the past, but they opened it wide up this time. Um, tell us about, um, let's, let's talk about Millie first. Um, what, what kind of research did you um, do talking to her? Did you run through the whole series really quick? So, yeah, when I choose to be a moderator, it's my goal to make the focus on the celebrity and their relationship to the fans. So a lot of people, when they when they want to interview a celebrity, they want to go in dark places. They want to talk about their, their uh, sort of intense things about their history. But this is a celebration of the person. This is a celebration of the person and a celebration of the fandom. So, of course, I watched all of the Stranger Things episodes. I watched her on Hell's Kitchen. I went and found... Uh, uh, Alice that she was in, just to get a real background. Watch some of her YouTube channel or Instagram. Uh, I'm certainly on the CIA watch list for stalking Millie Bobby Brown now. But, uh, but you know, I mean, I really went deep into, into her background so I could understand. And it's amazing what this girl has accomplished in her level of fandom in such a short period of time. People have really attached themselves to this show and to this character that spoke very few lines but had an old soul and really spoke to to the core of who we are. And uh, and we had almost 5,000 people show up to, to see a girl who was born in 2004. 
That was 10 years after I graduated from high school. Thank you for making me feel old, Paul. <laughs> yeah, her fandom is incredible. You know, um, as an artist, I'm always looking around at other, you know, artists and what they're working on. And there is tons of fan art out there. And then at the con here, there's, you know, costumes everywhere. Even guys dressing up at 11. Uh, can you, th off the top of your head, can you think of any recent, you know, kind of fandoms that's hit at that level recently? Let me tell you why I think um, that character has had so much fandom, because we can insert ourselves in that place, right? We, we love Darth Vader more than Luke Skywalker. Sorry, Mark Hamill, who's here. But we love Darth Vader because when he has the mask on, we could be him. We can imagine ourselves as this person. They never say anything to dissuade us, right? We love R2-D2. We love E.T., right? And, and there's something about Eleven uh, saying little but feeling deeply and experiencing these moments as the stranger in the strange land who's had a rough past and is trying to make a better future that all of us relate to. And, and we all look at our lives and say, I've had a rough past, but I'm going to make the future better. And the world is scary and strange, and I make new friends, and I'm willing to fight to defend them. And so it's really a character that pulls on our heartstrings and that, and that we care about and relate to. Um, you know, in, in the same way we care and relate to the minions uh, on, uh, on Despicable Me, or we care and relate to Wally. In uh, in Trash Planet, I mean, I mean, <laughs> that, that was the original name was going to be Trash Planet of Wally, or, or even Groot, who only speaks you know one to three words in a film. Groot, who who we can't, we follow his journey, we relate to him, we emote to him, we can put our own emotions into him. And Eleven gave us the same thing. Not to pull anything from Millie Bobby Brown's acting, I think she's incredible. She carried that film without saying many words, like a silent film star of old. But but I think that we really pour ourselves into characters like that. Agreed. Um. Another big panel you had was uh, Danny Trejo. Now, I'm not going to ask you about the question about, you know, deeping, getting deep into his library because you didn't have that much time to prepare. What, what were some interesting things you found out about him, you know, leading up to that? Right. I had a couple of my friends and, and colleagues do some research for me on Danny Trejo and send me uh, questions and insight articles. Uh, uh, you know, he, he's been in over 320 films and television shows. He started acting when he was 40 and he's now 74. So to go from one of the youngest panelists to one of the oldest panelists, right, boom, boom, in the same day was fascinating. Uh, his, his depth of life experience that he was... Uh, in solitary confinement for many months, he had a five-year prison sentence, and that was just one of his prison sentences. Uh, he had been on, on death row, gas chamber row uh, charges three times in his life, and came out of that to become a drug counselor, to now be a restaurateur owning Trejo Tacos in uh, three locations in L.A., uh, being in all of these films and TV shows and one of the most recognizable faces in modern media. Um, he's, a, he's a fascinating guy. Uh, I was surprised at how much kindness he had backstage um, versus how intense his characters tend to be. Exactly. Speaking of uh, his taco place, have you gone to any of those locations to try anything? 
Now, I, I have not yet been to Trejo Tacos, but we talked backstage. He's a fan of magic, and uh, he wants to come and see my show at the Magic Castle in Hollywood. I'm performing in Hollywood for all of Halloween week, October 20th, I think, October 21st through Halloween. I have a show right there on, uh, right off of Hollywood Boulevard um, on Franklin at the Magic Castle in Hollywood, and he's going to come up. Uh, to see the show, and he's going to take me down to Trejo Tacos, and I'll and I'll try some of the food. He said that his own favorite tacos from his place were the cauliflower tacos with tofu, but he said, don't tell anybody that. They need to think that his favorite are the raw beef with blood. Yeah, because when you look at him, he doesn't look like a cauliflower type of, type of eater. And, and those dates you mentioned, I'm going to be there through the 23rd, 14th through 23rd. So... So bring, make sure to bring a suit because you got to have a suit. Okay, I, I'll bring one. Um, now, I saw you, you do shows all the time everywhere for corporate gigs and uh, events like this. And I saw yours the other night. It was, it, it was very incredible. You got the audience involved, all sorts of ages. Um, in those type of interactions, what, you know, do you have a f- favorite trick that you know you like to do with younger kids or older people to you know kind of bring bring something i i I tripped over my sentence but you you got what i was getting at i mean when you think of of just my last week in the last week i had three shows at the orleans casino in las vegas um that was last weekend uh in the 850 seat showroom the week before me was air supply the week after me is don rickles the week after that is dennis miller right it's the it's the theater of has-beens and might-bees i'm hoping that i'm the might-be uh this week i had the show in the 5,000 seat grand ballroom here uh at comic-con it was wonderful great turnout a few thousand people came and and uh, just had a lot of fun with with little kids I need something visual. I need something that engages with their life. Because to a little, little kid, everything is magic, right? Except for the things that they know and relate to. And there was a little girl who just gave me a face of absolute awe and wonder that was the talk of the show the other night. She was so good, people think that she comes and travels with me and works for me. I mean, her her mouth just gaped so far open, seagulls could fly in there. Uh, For older people, and then we'll come back to that, for older people, I want something, again, that relates to their lives. Something that relates to, gee, I wish I could read my wife's mind. I wish I could read my boss's mind, my husband's mind, because then I'd have power over the world. A A magician or mentalist job is in fantasy fulfillment. I showcase the powers that people wish they had. Yeah, that that's incredible. Yeah, because that awes them. Now, but now back to that girl. You were trying to pull something over on her, and she just was not taking it. To give the listeners some background, um, she she came up. He asked her her age. And she said six and a half. And he's like, well, you have to be seven <laughs> to participate in this trick. So how old are you? Six and a half. <laughs> do, do, that, do those kind of difficulties or how much does it come up often? 
So there's a certain age at which children start to become deceptive. They're willing to deceive others to get their way. With little boys, it tends to be about eight that they realize the power of deception. With little girls, it tends to be about seven. And so I try and bring up a kid in, in that range. And, and then I'll say to them, you got to be whatever, one year older than whatever they are to, to help me on stage. And the child will then lie and say the other age to the audience's delight. And I turn to the audience and say, like the Pied Piper, I'll teach your children to lie one at a time, right? But this little girl, she was so pure of heart, so sweet a spirit, this little child. She was six and a half. And even afterwards, when I, I was in the audience and her mom said to her, I'm so proud of you, she didn't, you didn't lie. And she said, lie about what? I really am six and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Just great, great show. Um. Now, you, you participate in another, a couple other panels, uh, Star Trek and Shakespeare. You know, some characters, you know, kind of drip of, you know, Shakespeare. I think of, you know, Picard because, you know, Patrick is a, you know, Shakespearean actor. And then Q to a certain extent. Um, do you have a specific character on Star Trek that you think that's just dripping in Shakespeare? Well, I mean, so many of them. Leonard Nimoy had a huge background in Shakespeare, as did William Shatner in Canada before they came. Patrick Stewart was a member of the Royal Shakespearean Acting Company, uh, is how they found him to bring him onto the set to be Picard. And, and uh, Gene Roddenberry didn't even like him to start with. It was someone else that brought him in. Uh, he, had, he was with a touring troupe of Shakespearean actors that he brought to America, Stewart. Uh, and there are a lot of themes within, within Star Trek that have been brought from the Bard's plays. One of my favorite things we did in the panel was we worked with the audience and we took a Midsummer Night's Dream and cast it with a dream cast of different Star Trek characters uh, of who would play what. And uh, uh, every everything from Loxana Troy being uh, Titania and, uh, and Patrick Stewart, uh, 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 Picard being Oberon to, to Q being Puck. Uh, it was really, if we gentles have offended, right? So all this, uh, all this fun stuff, it was a great panel. The, the next panel after that that I did was on how to create authentic magic users, shamans uh, within your role-playing games and fiction books, which is nice because I'm also a professor of cultural anthropology and cognitive studies uh, and why people believe weird things, right? So was able to delve into how can we draw from real-life religious traditions of people throughout the history of, of mankind, and, and how do we uh, do that without misappropriating their cultures? Okay, great. Um, in closing, is there any other um, comments or upcoming um, events locally here to Salt Lake or nationwide that you'd like to like to push? Sure. I've been helping out with the design of uh, Fear Factory Haunted House and also the implementation and training of the actors and management there. That is one of the top ten haunted houses in the world, according to Travel Channel, so that's going to be opening up soon. Since I have a Halloween birthday, that's important to me. Um, I have, I'm going to be having a television show uh, coming up here pretty soon, but I can't announce yet uh, where or what, but uh, I will let you know as soon as we can get the word out, produced by a major house and, uh, and a huge television station 
than uh, that I've been on before. If you go research me, um, I I have lots of shows coming up all over the United States on Norwegian cruise lines, going back to England this coming summer to do a a month tour out there. But life is wonderful, and check me out on mentalmysteries.com or just search Paul Draper, and I'm the first one that comes up. Thank you very much, Paul. And you, you'll probably be at the next uh, FanX and and Comic Con, right? You're you're a fixture now. They they can't get rid of me. I will be here like a fly on sticky paper. Fantastic. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Hi everyone. This is Dylan back at Salt Lake Comic Con Year Creativity Podcast. We are revisiting our first podcast episode guest. His name is Houston Huddleston. How are you today, Houston? I'm quite good. Thank you very much. You might recognize that voice from a, a, a podcast that Houston's involved in. Now, now is Houston here or? I killed him. <laughs> I shot him with my phaser gun thingy. Uh, no, this is Houston Huddleston. That was my voice for uh, Snarky the Alien, which is on our podcast. What's the name of that podcast? It's called the Hollywood Science Fiction Museum Podcast. Uh, very appropriately named. Now, the first time I met you in person was the last time you were here at Salt Lake Comic Con, and uh, you worked me to death at your booth. I survived. You survived. What other cons have you been around to? Well, after working with you, I never wanted to do another con. <laughs> no, I, um, I, I, that was two years ago, and uh, it was, uh, I had a lot of fun. The one thing that didn't work had nothing to do with uh, Salt Lake City Con or Dan Farr. It had to do with the shipping company that brought our bridge. When they pulled open the doors, um, it was in horrible shape. Uh, things had been cracked, scratched, uh, broken, some of it. It was just, I couldn't believe it. And it was a bunch of, it was like the, you know, the monkey moving company. Um, I expected to find, you know, giant heaps of monkey poop thrown at it. I mean, it was horrible, horrible condition. And so I had to end up, uh, I had to threaten suit to the moving company because, because these things are irreplaceable. You bring the Enterprise Bridge and what are you going to, oh, we're going to pull out another Enterprise Bridge? No, we rescued these from Paramount and when we restored it, we knew this is it, Chuck, you know, because legally we can't build more. So after that, it, I learned a very important lesson. Number one, never to use the monkey moving company. And number two, uh, to get our own van, which we did. We got an oversized cargo van that's being used for the sci-fi museum and for our horror museum. And that's what we took here. So we brought less pieces because of that. And also because we had a 10 by 20 instead of a 20 by 20. But it's, um, you know, I love I love this convention. I love Dan Farr. I love the, uh, the city. I, I also really dig the... Um, I've met the governor twice. I've been to so many conventions. You're lucky to get a friggin' mayor to show up. The governor of the state governor of the to show up and have dinner with Bill Shatner and this sort of thing. Um, that's a huge deal. I wish we had that kind of support in California, which we don't, unfortunately. I'm hoping to change that. <laughs> Yeah, um, the last time you heard uh, most of the Star Trek um, Next Generation cast was here. I, I didn't really have a chance to talk to you about that back then. What, what was that like to see them all, you know, sitting on the bridge during their, their panel? Well, I'd met them twice before, and a couple of them just sporadically had sat in the captain's chair and done a photo. But 
when they moved our bridge set up to the main stage when uh, Patrick Stewart wasn't in yet. He would, he would come in the next day, so I didn't get to meet him. But uh, all the others, except for Alvar Burton wasn't there, and uh, I, but I think all the others were pretty much. So Bill Shatner uh, was the com- commentator for the thing. So it was Bill Shatner in this captain's chair and Frakes and all. It was a dream. I, it's uh, the only thing that's going to top that is when we do our actual opening of the complete bridge in, in L.A. next year. But uh, that was phenomenal. And I'm, again... I have nothing at all bad to say about this convention, uh, nor Dan, nor the governor, nor any of those, because that doesn't happen. I've been to all of them. I've been to, I mean, all the biggies. I've been to uh, Comic-Con four years in a row now uh, in San Diego, and, you know, top of the tops. And as far as kindness of the people and the kindness of the fans and the uh, people running it, uh there is no better con than Salt Lake, honestly. Uh, Stanley had that same same comment when he was here, so you're in good company with that compliment. Um, is there any new updates since we last had you on the post- podcast with the the sci-fi or the horror museum? Well, with the sci-fi museum, we're just doing all the work that it's going to take to raise the money to do that tour, which is going to be... Uh, a bit over uh, about a million dollars we're saying but it's um the bridge alone is you know two hundred thousand plus uh lights and sound effects and computers and all that's another hundred grand right there plus the party that we're going to do with all the cast is another hundred grand so that's that stuff adds up and uh that's we're you know people sometimes have this conception of oh you keep asking fans for money we haven't asked fans for money uh, since our Kickstarter back in 2012 for the bridge. So when we do these conventions, whatever bread we get from donations goes towards our coming here. But we don't really make a lot of money. It's more uh, just goodwill and meeting people and you know introducing people to what we're doing. But uh, the big corporate sponsors is what we're going for. The uh, people tied in with NASA, Lockheed Martin, SpaceX... Boeing, Google, Microsoft, all those biggies as well as, um, you know, smallies as well. Anyone who might be interested in space science fiction uh, teaching of real space and science through sci-fi as well as the history of science fiction in general. Now for the Horror Museum, um, that thing has grown leaps and bounds and I think it's mostly because we know what we're doing now to a certain degree, which we didn't when the Sci-Fi Museum began. Um, we, uh, we're getting some props from Walking Dead that we'll be taking to other conventions, specifically Walker Stalker. And I just met another Walking Dead actor. He's the guy who played, the guy who had the son, the black guy who, whose son died. And he, uh, he's now one of the main members of the crew, uh, on Walking Dead. He's British. Almost every actor on that show is British, and it cracks me up, you know? Um, yeah, it, it just, uh, it's so funny. But uh, Greg Nicotero is on our board of directors for the Horror Museum, so that really helps with the communique with the Walking Dead actors. Um, and I think we're going to be doing a, uh, an exclusive with uh, Walker Stalker next year in some manner. That's what we're talking about, because I really dig them, and they really dig us, and... So, other than that, we're working on that exhibit 
for the end of 2017 and for beginning of 2017 would be the Sci-Fi Museum exhibit, traveling probably starting in uh, Houston, Texas, and also Berlin, Germany, of all places. Great. I, I'm, I'm so excited for you. Um, if you had, haven't listened to the, uh, the first episode uh, with Houston and our first podcast episode at that, um, I, I kind of spoke about how we, we met. I answered a Craigslist, and it turned out okay. <laughs> and yeah, you had a... Cra- I forgot that. I, yeah, it was a Craigslist ad looking for a graphic designer to help out, you know, with graphics. With the, yeah, it was just when you barely were barely getting started. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, two things I forgot to mention: our two newest board members for the Sci-Fi Museum. One is Tom Spina, who is a, an incredible uh, restorer of Star Wars masks. He did all the Creature Cantina redone uh, Rick Baker masks. And uh, as well as many, many other classic, irreplaceable props he's restored. And another woman I met at Scare LA uh, last year. Or no, this year, last month. Schmuck. What a schmuck I am. Um, I'm, what year is this? Um, yeah, a lovely lady I met. I'd heard her name over and over and over. We got along like a house on fire. Uh, for you pyromaniac lovers out there. Um, V. Neal is her name, and she's Oscar-winning special effects artist. She did everything from The Hunger Games to uh, Johnny uh, Johnny Depp's movie, uh, Tim Burton movie. Uh, she did a ton of Tim Burton movies, starting with uh, Beetlejuice and Pee-wee and uh, Edward Scissorhands, I think she won an Oscar for. Uh, tons and tons of things. And she said, and I, after talking to her, I said, would you like to be on either board she goes yeah it's all right <laughs> sometimes it is that easy you know but uh she's a wonderful lady i asked her i said hey um i said you did all three films with jennifer lawrence are you close to her at all or she goes yeah we're pretty good friends why i said well i just think she's hot and she goes okay i said oh by the way at tim burton are you guys good friends she goes why i said same reason <laughs> That's venial for it. That's our relationship, V and I's relationship. You're one of the most unique person people I know, and you always seem to find these other unique people, <laughs> which which is awesome because you know that's where this kind of stuff comes from. This creativity, this amazingness to get stuff done. Now. Um, Okay. <laughs> People like me were either uh, known and some somewhat respected in some form, or were in jail. <laughs> not no no in betweens. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're not in jail. Or a loony bin. Loony bin. That's the more typically. No, we go to the loony bin instead of jail because they feel pity for us. <laughs> All right. I don't have a, I don't have a comeback for that. <laughs> I don't have a retort. I usually have decent retorts. No retort for that. Um, <laughs> Star Trek Beyond what did you think oh that was excellent it's by far the best of the three it it got it you know they they actually got it and it seemed to be made by someone who actually had seen Star Trek before and not just tried to remake uh, Wrath of Khan that's my honest opinion now I think it's been long enough so I'm, I, I feel safe talking about this this scene so uh, the scene is um, uh, Spock 
um, is looking through the box that he got from Spock Prime, and there is the photograph of the original crew. Did that make you well up with tears like it did with me? No, because I'm a real man. <laughs> yes, I did. Of course, I did. No, I saw it at the, I saw it at uh, Comic Con. I got, uh, I snuck into the the big premiere where they had these fireworks and light show, and uh, Nichelle Nichols got up on stage, and so did the cast of the movie and all this stuff. And no, I it I I got very teary during that, and I got teary when they first said that. Uh, you know, um, early on, he hands him uh, a photo of of Spock and saying that uh, he's passed away and so it's like, oh God, you know, hitting reality. And then by the end of it, of course, it it just it, I've never seen so many Trekkies cry at once. <laughs> but um, something else I want to say that no one really knows about unless they were there. Uh, when the cast came out before the movie. And they they all talked about uh, not Leonard, but um, uh, I'm trying to remember, play Chekhov. Uh, uh, Yelton? Right. And they talked about what an incredible shock and what an absolute waste it was uh, um, to, to lose him and how much it meant to them. And they all took a moment of silence. The cast, uh, Chris Pine, uh, there were... At least five of them, the main cast members, Kirill Pusahura, the guy who played Carl uh, uh, Urban, you know, and uh, Spock, and they were all, and they all just stood in a circle, hugging each other, and some of them crying, and uh, there was just such love there, that, that really got to me, um, and I wasn't taggy enough to take a picture of it, but uh, that. That was that really showed you where they were at. That really did, um, and also that had just happened. You know that had just happened a few weeks before that premiere. Um, so yeah, that I have tons of respect for uh, that group. If I, I I've met Carl Urban. Carl Urban's a, a great guy, uh, but um, yeah, if I ever meet the others, I'll I, I'll be proud to shake their hand. Yeah, the, uh, it, it was like lightning striking with the original. Ne- ne- the the casting and how they've been drawn together with each incarnation has just just been amazing. And, and this, especially this new cast, and, and Yelton, I loved what he was doing with Chekhov. You know, uh, on the selfish end, but losing him would just seeing the advancement of that character. Um. I'm trying to. Th- is is there anything else you would like to add? I'm. You do. Touch my heart with that story, so I'm not. <laughs> so. Wipe me out too. Um, but uh, no, you know the uh, this is the fiftieth of Star Trek, and I wish we had had our, at least our original bridge done by now. But raising money is not easy. Uh, when it's that much money, and I hate to keep going back to the fans saying, "Can you give us more money?" You know all that, um, because it's it's not fair to the fans. They'll come when when we actually have the thing and open the door and have the tickets. They'll come. They'll they'll pay that money, but they shouldn't have to pay for it to to exist. That stinks. 
Um, so this tour is being handled by a company that had done the previous Star Trek tours uh, back in the 2000s and King Tut and Titanic and all this stuff. So they know what they're doing. Uh, and they promised us a certain amount of money um, just going from logistics and business plan per month so that in a few years we will have the money to open our permanent museum in L.A. Uh, and that's, that's our whole point. That's why we're doing this. But also because we want to bring our museum to places and people that aren't able to go to Los Angeles. You know, they may be, uh, they may be handicapped or they may not have the money or for whatever reason. And to bring it to them is such a special thing. I just want to end with this one story. There's a little girl I met uh, and her father. She dressed up as... Now, if that one didn't touch your heart, this one will really blow you away. Uh, she, was, she was in a wheelchair, and he, he built her wheelchair into a TARDIS. And so uh, he was... And he dressed up as a Matt Smith doctor. And so... I said, may I take your photo? And says, oh, please. A little 10-year-old girl took the picture. I posted it on uh, our Facebook page, our Enterprise Bridge restoration page. And it went global. But my, point, my post on that was best dad ever, you know, to do that for his daughter. Um, someone on that page is one of the producers of Doctor Who. And one of our followers, I didn't know it, and said, hey, do you know who that person is? We want to do something special for her and have Matt Smith and the new companion do something for her. And I said, I don't know who it is, but I, it was Phoenix and it was this and that. So I did a search and I said, if you know who this is, please let us know. And I heard from the family. And the father told me that the little girl was, um, she had a bone disease and that the most they can do for the most part she can't leave the house so they go from her room into the living room and watch Doctor Who and watch episodes of Doctor Who and that that is her transporter so to speak and uh, but without getting too gushy here it just we, we post a lot of dumbass memes and a lot of stupid stuff to bring the numbers up and it works but every now and then something special like that you can change someone's life with a picture or a post or something. Uh, so by doing that, yes, I'm absolutely thrilled that we were able to achieve that, and we wouldn't have been had it not been for everything that's happened up till now, good or bad. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that uh, you can, one person can change the world. You never know how, but just keep trying. That's it. And you're you're changing lives, and we we appreciate that. Uh, where where can people find you online to check things out and to uh, donate? HollywoodSciFi.org or dot com, uh, or HollywoodHorror.org, and both of them have a store there and a PayPal and all that stuff. If you wanted to donate, it's all tax deductible. Five hundred one C three educational nonprofit, and another option is. If uh, someone ha is with a company that every year they can donate this much and match that much from the company, a few of our friends from uh, Microsoft have done that, and that that don't hurt either. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this for this first tour that we're doing this upcoming 2017 year is about the sponsors for the tour. So it's going to be Lockheed Martin presenting their. 
their uh, Orion capsule right next to our Oblivion bubble ship from the Tom Cruise film. That kind of thing, showing the real space next to the uh, sci-fi space. Uh, or the Mars rover or the Robonaut 2 next to Robbie the Robot or B9 from Lost in Space or R2-D2 or C-3PO. How far have we gone? How far do we have to go to get to this point? You know, and et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's what makes this uh, more than just a, oh, here's a bunch of cool crap. Yeah, all right, it is, but there's more to it than that. And uh, yeah, if you want to help, please, we, we love it. We appreciate it. Well, thank you, Houston, and uh, thank you for letting me continue to be involved in in the backside of things. I, it, it, it's a unique perspective to to see it from this, you know, from both sides, you know, because I'm still a spectator, but you know, I kind of get the behind the scenes look too. It's it's been incredible. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. And thank you for joining us. And we'll probably talk to you next time you roll through. Yeah, I um, yeah, I, I believe we were talking again. Dan Farr and I are talking about bringing our sci-fi tour to um, to specifically Salt Lake and having him involved with that because he's brought he's shown the demographic that there are nerds and geeks and fans in Mormon country, and that's a big deal because everybody. Oh no, they, they'd never go. Oh yeah, want to bet? Look at this. You know, look how successful he's been. So. Yeah, I'd love to come back and, and show the real thing instead of just some pieces here and there. Uh, as I, I just learned the other, the other day, were you coming? Was it a last-minute thing, or was it something that... Yeah, we, we planned this about two weeks ago. <laughs> that's, that's why we're not on a panel, and that's why we didn't uh, bring more. We just got the Aliens power loader, the giant big yellow thing that Ripley got inside, which uh, we can display and you can get inside of it. But the damn thing, it's a, in a 30-foot truck. You know, it takes a 30-foot truck just to move those pieces because they're in these giant, eight giant containers. One contains one arm. That thing's massive. You need a 20 by 20 just to put it in the middle there. So you can't. we can't afford to, to do that, to bring it. So we need uh, sponsors to do that. So it takes planning and all that, which... We had two weeks, so we just brought some chairs. You know, that's all we could do, really. But, uh, you know, I, I love this con, so I was happy to, to do it. And it's making it's making people happy who weren't here two years ago or some who were here two years and won't go and want to sit in it again, you know? It's all my son would talk about. Do we get to sit in the chair? I want to go sit on the chair because I just recently started watching the Star Trek with him. I was trying to decide where to start, and we decided to start from the very beginning, and he's having a blast. No, uh, start him young. <laughs> They'll, they'll like it or they won't. If they don't, okay, well, but if they do, they'll be inspired, probably, in some way. So far, so good. He hasn't seen Voyager yet. <laughs> well, uh, no, Voyager, uh, season three on was just killer. It was just knockout. First two seasons kind of limped along, but that could be said about all the 1987 on Star Trek series. The first two seasons stunk, for the most part. Um... Certainly the first season of TNG. Oh, my God. Having to sit through that. There's some real turkeys in that. Um, but then <laughs> but then you talk about the original series. The first two seasons were the best. So go, go figure, you know. Well, I'm going to wrap up because I tried to do that five minutes ago. So I'll let you get back to the booth. And thank you very much. Thank you very much. Now, whose voice was that?
it's me. Hi, this is the real me. No, I don't know. This is being weird and creepy. Trying to trying to make you cut off the thing so oh my god, I want to get away from this guy. I'll let you go then. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs>